verse 1 through 11. Please turn, please change, please turn to Matthew 4, verse 11. But, oh, please stand up in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Everybody there? Okay. Thank the Lord. Satan tempts Jesus. And Jesus was led up by, Satan, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the temper came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones be bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Male shall not live by bread done, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the devil took him up into the holy city, set, set him on the pinnacle of temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in the hands they shall bear you up. Let you dash for the foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up a exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered, okay, I don't know that word, ministered to him. Thank the Lord. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the privilege and the honor, Lord, of being in your presence today. We thank you, Lord God, for these youth. Uh, God, they are our future generation, Lord. We thank you that you are working in them to will and do of your good pleasure. So, Lord, we just um, uh, thank you, Lord God, for the destiny and the purposes, Lord, that you already have set before them. And, Father, we pray today that having heard, Father God, the word of the Lord and, Father, in everything that we've done today, Lord, that you would send them, uh, Lord God, an understanding and a revelation, Lord God, of their purpose of their destiny, so that they can lay hold of that for which you have laid hold of them. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. And go ahead and be seated in the Lord's presence. Um, first and foremost, I want to uh, just uh, uh, want everybody just to give all of our youth today a hand clap of praise, if you will. Um, you know, it is, I often say it's not very easy for them to come up here and do what they do. And, uh, you know, and so we are delighted that they are in the house of God and that even when we're doing some of the things that we're doing here today, we believe that there's something that has been instilled in them that will change them uh, for the cause of Christ. And so uh, I am so grateful for all of our youth. I'm so grateful for all of those who work uh, with uh, our youth, all of our adults, our brother Walter, I believe my wife and some others that participated in the event. Uh, just thank you so much for your hard work. And, uh, and, and I tell you, it looked like uh, this Elvis here, we got ourselves a little actor, uh, I, I see. He, he is very, very gifted, I can tell, when he was up there doing the skit. And so I was, uh, that's very impressive. Uh, he even took the beating real well, in Jesus' name. <laughs> that was quite impressive. So, so anyway, um, are you ready for the word of the Lord today? Amen. Uh, well, we're in Matthew's Gospel in, in chapter number four today, and I want to talk today about pushing toward the call, pushing toward the call. Now, for some of you who don't know, this is uh, Youth Sunday. Now, this is the fifth Sunday at Foundation Church, and every fifth Sunday is Youth Sunday. Um, I really get particularly excited because I have an opportunity to speak to the next generation. Uh, any church that is on the cutting edge of doing anything significant for God is really investing in the youth. How many of you know that our youth are our next generation of people? It is who the enemy is attacking all the time. Have you ever noticed that when it comes to uh, 
you know, uh, media, whether it's television, whether it's music, uh, anything like that. The enemy is always trying to attack or trying to get at our youth. And so this is a very, very important uh, time, uh, you know, in the life of our, uh, in our world, in the life of our church, and, and really throughout our country. And I have had uh, many, many years of experience in working with youth. For those who don't know, I actually started ministry many years ago, back in the early 90s, when some of you were not born. But I was working as an assistant uh, youth leader where I really uh, worked with coordinating activities for the youth. And then that led on to other things. I became a school resource officer. Now, I became a school resource officer when it wasn't uh, very, very popular. Uh, I came when the program had just started, when people really frowned when police uh, were in the schools. And so uh, I had uh, about four years there, and I just kind of worked with our junior high and, and our high school students and, and really uh, just enjoyed the opportunity that I had. And so that spanned a, a period of about seven years. And so I say that to say that I've always had a deep passion for our young people. It has always been my desire that young people really uh, come into what it is that God has created you to be. And I know that with all the challenges today, and as I think about what our youth have to endure today, it is a very, very difficult time. Uh, we live in a time right now where there's such political unrest uh, in our nation. There's racial divides, and it seems like nations are in an uproar today. Sin is running rampant. Yet in all of these things, how do you know that God is still in control? God is still in charge. God is still executing his plan even though we have all this turmoil around us. And if you really study history, and you study the Bible, and you have an understanding of God, you'll see that God has always raised up men and women and women to confront the challenges of that day. You know, God, he raised up uh, Joseph in order to bring the people of Israel, uh, you know, into a whole other level of protection so that they can fulfill their calling. Uh, we find out in the Bible that God raised up Joshua, uh, to lead people into the land of promise. And you, you remember the story of David, when David fought Goliath, when God used David to fight Goliath and to really destroy the, the Philistines and who were really tormenting the people of God. And then, you know, we look at Daniel and the, 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 the three Hebrew boys and all of that. And so you see that God has always raised up young people in order to confront the generation for that time. How many know that God is outside of time? And I want you to understand that just as God raised up all of those, God raised up David, he raised up Joshua, he raised up Daniel. How many know that he did not raise them up for this time? God did not raise them up for this time. You know who he raised up for this time, young people? It's you. You are the next Joshuas. You are the next Davids. You are, the next, you are the next three Hebrew boys that God expects you to come into this environment in this time and make a difference for Jesus. And this is why I believe that, have me know that, that it's really, really getting close to the return of Christ. It's really getting close. And so what we must understand is that this is our time to effect change. We can't sit by and just say and watch the world go to hell in a hay basket and say, well, it's somebody else's responsibility. God has raised up each and every one of us to be able to affect change for the glory of God. So this is the time that we're in. And so we need to understand that, that just like God, how many of you know the story of Esther? And the Bible said that God raised Esther up for such a time as this. God has raised up you young people for such a time as this. To deal with all the troubles that we're having today. To overcome, but not only to overcome. How do we know God don't just want you to overcome? God wants you to really win. How do we know God created us to win? He wants us to win in every aspect of our lives. And so this is, a, this is a wonderful time that we're living in. And one of the things that I see, and it, it really troubles my heart a lot, um, you know, Jesus made a reference one time. He said that um, he looked at the people and he said the people are scattered and they look like sheep without a shepherd. Y'all remember that verse in the Bible? As I look at our young people today, and, and, I, and, and this is really a sad commentary, I see so many of our young people today, so many of our youth that are really disturbed, they don't really have a sense of direction in life. They seem like they're just kind of out there, just kind of living, just, you know, whatever comes, whatever feels good, 
just do it. It's just, you know, no respect for authority, no sense of direction, no sense of purpose. And when I see a young person like that, I see, I, I see them in a, in, a, in a place where they don't really understand who they are. And, 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 and God has brought all of you, young people, raise your hand. Everybody under 18, let me, let's, let's raise your hand for a minute. I just want to see you out there. I want you to keep your hand up for a moment. Now, I want you, all you young people who, are, who have your hand, I want you to look at one another. All, all the ones that have their hands up. And I want you to understand, I, wa- I want you to understand that you are called of God. You are called of God to change this generation. You are called by God to make a difference. It is you who are called by God to, to step into this environment, your friends, all of this, um, uh, all of this confusion, God has called you to make a difference. You can go ahead and put your hand down. And so I want you to understand that we, we talk about this a lot, and, and we all come to church every Sunday, and it's so easy to come to church and just think, well, you know what, this is, this is you know, let's just get church over, and, you know, just check the box, and we can go home. And unfortunately, that's the way a lot of people think. In, in fact, there's a lot of times that's the way a lot of our youth think sometimes. And what we want to do today is I want, to really, I want you to really listen very, very carefully. And this message is not just for adults. I'm, I'm sorry, not just for kids, but it's also, also for adults. So we're not going to leave anybody out, even though we're targeting the youth today. But we want to put us on notice today that this is, this is about life and death. This is about the souls of men. Our generation depends on us stepping up and becoming what God wants us to become. And so I want to start by just kind of underscoring the fact that God has a plan for our life. And I'm going to look at a few verses, and I want to drive this point home. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 says this. And I want you to understand, we're talking about God's plan for your life. So whenever you hear somebody say this, you ever, you know, people say, well, you know, God has a plan for your life. You know, perhaps you've even said that to people. You know what? God has a plan for your life. Well, what exactly does that mean? What, it, what does it mean when we say that God has a plan for our life? And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at some verses today that really kind of uh, drive that point home. Ephesians chapter number 1, verses 4 and 5 says this. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Watch this. Having predestined, that word means predetermined, us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. And that's a very, very powerful voice. Because what that says is that, that before the foundation of the earth ever was, I want you to think about that. Before God had created one animal, before he had created any tree, any creation at all, before God created anything, God chose you before the world was. Look at your neighbor and say, you're chosen. You were chosen. And there's no reason, how many know that, that, that you must understand if God chose you, you are very special. If you're a Christian today and you have been saved and you have given your life to Jesus, you ought to be excited that God chose you way before you ever, ever had anything to do with it. How many know that's grace? And he chose you, watch this, he chose you for such a time as this. You are in the right time. So we have been chosen. So God's plan for our life includes the fact that he chose us before the world ever began. We are also his workmanship. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, for we are his workmanship, that means Christ, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So another plan, we talk about God's plan for our life. God created us that we may not be uh, a slave to sin anymore. How many know that as Christians, we ought not to be slaves to sin? Christians ought to not to be struggling with sin. Let me say that again. Christians, you ever, hear, you ever hear Christians sometimes say, well, you know, I'm still struggling with sin. No, we need to be overcoming sin. How many know that Jesus he secured our victory. He has given us power to walk in victory. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? 
So a part of his life, so a part of God's plan for our life is that, watch this church, that, that, that we, are to, we are created for good works. That means, young people, you can't do what everybody else do. You can't try to mimic what everybody else try to mimic. You know, if, in fact, if you want to mimic somebody, you need to be like Jesus. You don't need to be like Mike. You need to be like Christ. Christ is your example. Why? Because you have been chosen for good works. So you are distinct. You are different. You're, 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 you have been ordained to live above the power of your flesh. Now, you ever see sometimes, you know, you go into some of these environments, um, you know, that, that, you know, kids are nowadays, it seems like immorality is at an all-time high, you know, that now you talk about heroin and, and drugs are really, really becoming a force to be reckoned with all over again. And we talk about all of these things, and we talk about how, the, how our, our culture today, how our culture of young people are, are just, uh, you know, just have no uh, a sense of respect and all of these different things. And it's so easy as you as a Christian who lives in a Christian home, it's so easy for you to go to school and just want to be cool like everybody else. It's so easy for you to say, you know what, I I'm just going to follow the suit, follow suit. But how many know that you have been created to be different? God has created you for good works. Everybody say good works. That means you can't, don't live according to your flesh. How many know that if you live according to your flesh, you'll get in trouble? How many of you have desires in your flesh that you know are wrong? Come on, somebody. And you can't live according to the desires of your flesh because it'll mislead you. And so Christ, so part of God's plan for our life is that we were, we were created for good works. Another part of God's plan is that he wants to make us like Christ. Now, I'm building a foundation, so I want you to stay with me. He wanted to make us more like Christ. Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So understand something, young people, that God has created you and I and all of us to be more like Christ. In other words, God wants a whole lot of little Christ's running around. So he is to be our aspiration. He is to be our goal. He is to be the one that, if you want to use the word idol, I don't like to use that word, but if you want to use the word idol, he ought to be the one that you ought to idolize, Jesus, because he's working in our lives to make us more like Christ. And how many know the part of God's plan? God's plan is not that we just become, he, he becomes a part of our life. But how many know God wants a radical takeover? He's not looking for us. God is not looking to just come and just say, you know, God don't want to just make us a nice Christian to go to church on Sunday. God don't just want to, you know, just he want us to just, you know, just, you know, be nice in some places and some areas of our life and then just kind of live any old kind of way. How many know that when he says he wants us to be like Christ, that is speaking about a radical takeover. A radical takeover whereby that you begin to understand that everything in your life evolves around Christ. And parents, this is what we must convey to our children. And we must do this at a very, very young age. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a moment. Also, part of God's plan is he wants to renew our thinking. He wants to renew our thinking. Romans 12.2 says this, And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, all right? I want you to think, there, think about that for a moment. He says, don't be conformed to this world. In other words, don't live your life trying to conform to the standards and the ideologies of this world. He said, don't do it, because the standards and the, ide and the ideologies of this world uh, run contrary to the principles of the kingdom of God. So he says, so listen to this. He says, so do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, watch this, by renewing your mind. And how do you renew your mind? You renew your mind by getting God's mind. You renew your mind by reading this word. You renew your thinking by surrounding yourself in an atmosphere where, where, where you can really begin to understand what God says and what he wants for your life. This is what renewal of mind is all about. It's about a change. How many know that we can't be like Christ until we think like Christ? There's no way that we can be Christ-like until our mindsets begin to change. Our mind have to change if we're going to be like Christ. 
So what that simply means is that, that we got to be willing to say as young people, you know what, you know what, i got to change the way I think. i got to change the way I think. I can't, I, can't, I can't be like everybody else who are not walking with God. I must change the way I think and pursue God in every aspect of my life. Let me give you a couple examples of this in a couple of verses that everyone is familiar with. And it is in Jeremiah uh, chapter number uh, 1 and Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 1.5 says this. Now listen to this, young people. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And we're talking about God's plan. Remember now, God lives outside of time. God is not confound to time. He lives outside of time. Now, I want you to understand what he said about Jeremiah because this is really applicable to all of us. How many, knew that, how many know that God knew you before you ever came on the scene? How many know that's a powerful God? It says here, watch this. He says, Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, get this, I knew you. All right? I want you to understand that. This is God talking. I want you to kind of picture yourself there. God said, before I formed you in the womb, before you were ever conceived in the womb, God says, I already knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. In other words, before you were born, I set you apart. How many parents in here dedicated your, your children to the Lord? You see, one of the things that I, I say all the time, you know, when it comes to salvation, how many know that, that, that the Bible said that when there's salvation, that this salvation is not just for you, but for your whole household? I have decreed and declared that all of my kids are saved, whether they realize it or not. Some of, some of you young people right now, you're frustrated and you're struggling in life and you're having an identity crisis because you're trying to go outside of the parameters that has already been set for you. But you must understand that before God, before you ever came on the planet, God already sanctified you. He knew you before you came here. Watch this. And he ordained, and he's talking here about Jeremiah. He said, I ordained you a prophet to the nation. How many know, young people, that there's a call of God on your life? There's a call of God that is on your life. Now, you may say, Pastor, does that mean? Because most people think of call. You know what they think of call? They think of the man who comes and stands behind the pulpit. You say, man, you know, if you're really called of God, you got to stand behind the pulpit and preach. No, no, you, you don't understand the call. All of us have been called. Every one of us, including you young people that, that, that are striving, I hope, striving to be like Christ, you have a call. You have the call of God on your life. All of us do. Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, this was a reference to the people of Israel who had disobeyed God in Babylon. And then God had, they were held captive in Babylon. They had disobeyed God. And, and Jeremiah gave them a word of encouragement, even as they was going through that difficult time. He says here in Jeremiah 29, 11, and again, a verse that we can all, uh, we, we can all adhere to. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you, watch this, a future and a hope. Young people, I want you to understand, many of you, you know, in a couple of years, in a few years, you'll be looking to go to college. You know, all of us, you know, parents, we're trying to prepare our kids for the next life. But you, you know that, that, that if we seek God, God already has given us a future and a hope. And that whatever you do, you need to make sure that God is involved in the process. Parents, we need to make sure that God is involved in that process, that our kids are seeking God that we're praying about our kids' future. Why? Because God has something that he wants them to do. How many do you believe that God still talks today and God will still lead you today? He's given, he has given up his Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. And so God called Jeremiah to be a prophet. I don't know what he's called you to do particularly, but I know he's called you to make a huge difference right where you are. And so we understand through all of that that God has a plan for our life. But now, I want you to understand this. Just as God has a plan for our life, there's an enemy out there that is trying to, to stop that. There's an enemy of your soul. How many of you believe in the devil? <laughs> You'd be surprised how many Christians nowadays don't even believe that there's a devil. You'd be surprised how many Christians nowadays don't even believe there's a hell. <laughs> You'd be surprised. But there's an enemy that is fighting against the purpose and the destiny God has set for you. Understand that. This enemy is fighting every opportunity that he gets. 
I want to give you a couple of verses that kind of explains who our enemy is, and then we'll go to our main text. How do you know that Satan is a liar? John 8, 4-4 says this. You are of your father, the devil. And this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees of that day. Watch this. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. Watch this. He's, he's describing Satan. Jesus is. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning. Watch this. And does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he, Satan, speaks, he speaks from his own resources, but get this, he takes it further. Jesus says, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan lies to some of you sometimes and say, well, you know, nobody cares about you. How many of you, young, how many of you, you youth in here thought every now and then that your mom and your dad don't really care about you? Come on, parents, just tell them, tell them to that. It's a lie. It's a lie from hell. Nobody loves you more than your mother and father. Trust me. Nobody loves you more than your parents. See, the devil is a liar. He lies about everything. He lies about our health. He lies about our future. You're never going to be nothing. You're never going to amount to anything. You're just going to be like this person. You're just going to be like that person. It is a lie. Satan is a liar. And the Bible says he is the father of lies. How many know that when, your father, when you're the father of lies, I mean, you know that there's no one more deceptive than the enemy. Satan lies because he wants us to think that we're all alone. He wants us to think that perhaps somehow that we're not going to make it. Somehow we're not going to succeed. But the devil is a liar. John 10.10 10 says this, taking it a step further. It says the thief, everybody say the thief. The thief does not come except but to steal and to kill, and to destroy. This is what Satan is trying to do. Now, this is why we have an epidemic, watch this, in our schools of sexual immorality. You know, nowadays there are no boundaries, right? You know, the way it's taught and way from what I understand, now, granted, I haven't been in schools in quite some time, but, I, but from what I'm hearing, things are a whole lot worse, and I talk to my own kids all the time. So there's this attitude, you know, that we can just kind of do whatever we want to do. Have all the sex you want. Do all the drugs you want. I can't tell you how many times, even, you know, not just as a, as a person working with youth for so many years, how many, how many young people have, have just really uh, tried drugs and, you know, and, and this is why, you know, heroin addiction is on the rise. And you know where heroin addiction is on the rise at? Among our youth. Among our youth. More than anything. Why is that? Because the enemy wants you. He wants you to do drugs. He wants you to get drunk, and he wants you to get in that car and drive drunk. He wants you to have an accident. Satan wants to destroy your purpose. He wants to snuff out your destiny. So what you think, and how many know Satan always want to glorify what God says is wrong? He makes it look good because everybody else is doing it. It must be right. You ought to know better. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What is Satan after? He's after, he's after God's purpose in your life. And how many know Satan don't play fair? This is why you can't play with the devil. You can't toy with the devil. You play with sin, I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. Payday is coming. So you, you can't do it. Because why? The devil does not play fair. And I like the ending part of that verse. Jesus said this, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Everybody say abundantly. abundantly. So Jesus wants us to have life. He, listen, Jesus wants to improve the overall quality of our lives. This is what Jesus wants to do. He wants to improve your life. He wants your life to be better. But what Satan wants to do, he wants to destroy it. He want to do everything he can to destroy your life, to destroy the purpose of God in your life. 1 Peter 5.8 says this. This is another verse talking about our enemy. It says, be sober, be vigilant. Look at this. Because your adversary, the devil, walks around or walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You got to understand that Satan's parents 
that Satan is just not going to sit back and just wait. How many know he's after our young people today? This is why parents got to be very diligent. This is why we got to be very discerning. This is why we got to be very, very wise to understand the sign, the, the sign of the times and where we're where we at. The Bible says Satan is, is like a roaring lion. In other words, um, you know, he tells us to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, he's walking about. In other words, he's looking for a crack in the foundation. Satan is looking for an opportunity to steal and to kill and destroy. He's going to do everything that he can do to try to do that. But we're wiser, and we understand that God has a, a plan, and so we're going to press into that. So this brings us into uh, Matthew chapter number 4. So we've established in this message God's plan for our life, what he wants us to do. We establish the fact that there's an enemy that Satan wants to kill. He wants to kill, steal and destroy our lives, our purpose. And now we're going to look at how he tried to do this with Jesus. How many know there's nothing new under the sun? The, the devil is the same old devil that he's always been. Nothing, nothing ever changes with the enemy. Now, I want you to understand this. And why I want to drive this, this point home about the enemy, because I don't want, because many of us have a tendency to think that because we don't see something, it's not there. How many know that Satan works through power structures? He, 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 he works through systems where he tries to affect us. He worked in the most, and the Bible says, in high places where decisions are being made every day about our community and about our youth. Now, here we see, now watch this. Now, I want you to, let's look at Matthew chapter number four. Um, here we see Jesus, who is about to begin his ministry. Jesus now is uh, about to, uh, you know, uh, start his ministry. So the Bible says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And when Jesus was led into the wilderness, guess who was there? Satan. Ain't it some? But wh wh why does Satan come after Jesus? Because he knew the call and the purpose that God had placed on Jesus' life. So what does Satan do? As soon as Jesus began his ministry, watch this. Satan attaches, tries to attach himself to try to get Jesus, to try to derail him from his purpose. You see, young people, you need to understand this, that all of you, listen to me, whether you realize it now or you don't, you are special, and God has something important for you to do. And you must understand that Satan knows that. Satan, and the Bible says Satan knows that his time is short. So what does he do? He wants to come to you. He wants to try to seduce you. He wants to try to trick you. He sends you all kinds of distractions, music, people, attitude. He sends you all kinds of things. And what is he trying to do? He sees that there's a purpose of God in your life, so the enemy is going to come and attack you. Don't listen to your parents. They don't know what they're talking about. They're outdated. Has any young person ever thought that way? <laughs> I got one hand in the back. I know there's more. <laughs> I know there's more. So the tempter comes because he realized, we're talking about pushing toward the call. He realized the call of God on your life. So what did he do? The enemy comes. Just like, how many know Jesus had a, a tremendous call? And, and the enemy came, and he tried to tempt Jesus. And how does he try to tempt him? Get this, church. He tempted Jesus when it was at a perceived, I want to say perceived weakness. He said to Jesus, now watch this in verse number two. Look at this. It says, and when he had fasted for 40 days. Now watch when the enemy comes. All right? When he had fasted for 40 days. How many know that if you don't eat for 40 days, come on, you might be a little bit hungry. And for 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. Now watch this. Now when the tempter came to him, what did it, how did he tempt him? Watch this. If you, if, first of all, if, he wanted him to doubt God. If you are the son of God, well, you ought to already know who you are. I'm a child of God. And parents, sometimes you need to declare that over your children, even when they don't really understand you belong to God. God, you are God's property. You need to straighten up and act right. Watch this. He says, now, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now watch. Now, I want you to understand something, how the enemy works here. So he comes to Jesus when he thinks that Jesus is at a very, very vulnerable point. 
And what does he do? He don't tempt Jesus with lust. He don't tempt Jesus with money. He tempts Jesus in the area where he thinks he, he an area of weakness. He says, you know, he haven't eaten for 40 days. If you're the son of God, turn these stones into what? Bread. I want you to know, I want you to know young people today, Satan knows what your weak, where your weaknesses are. And he's going to come and attack you right where you are. He's going to come and attack you in the place where you're most vulnerable. That's how he works. And so when the Bible said he goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, that's what he's doing. He's looking for an opportunity to attack. All right? So Satan comes, and he, he perceived this weakness, just like you. Just like some of you young people today. You know, Satan will come to you and tempt you when you're mad at your mom and dad. He tell you, you know what, just, just run away. Don't listen to him. Just do this. Just get mad. You want to try to get back at him. Satan's coming at you because he, he sees that you're weak. Sometimes when our finances are low, the enemy wants to attack. He comes. Then, when we are emotionally hurt, here comes the enemy, bringing in somebody who is, who is a devil in flesh. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many uh, women, how many young people, thank you very much, how many, how, many, how many people have been duped by who they thought was Mr. Casanova? How many know that whenever the devil sends you anything, it's always going to look pretty? <laughs> and everything that looks pretty, that got muscles, ain't of God. You hear me? It ain't of God. So what does Satan does? He comes and he want to tempt you when you're, when you're weak, when you're upset, when you're, when, you're, when you're having a difficult time, when, when things are not going the way you want them to go, that's when the enemy is going to come at your weakest point, when you're vulnerable. And then watch this. Satan will try to get you to quit on life. Look at verses 5 and 6 in that same chapter in Matthew. Then the devil took him up into a holy city. <laughs> Mm-mm-mm. and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. Now, you see what the enemy is trying to do now? He's trying to get Jesus to commit suicide. He's trying to kill him. If you're the son of God, won't you go ahead and jump? I can't tell you how many times that I've talked to young, I mean, I mean, 12, 13, 14, and 15 years of age who are telling me that they want, to, they want to die. And some of these folks are in Christian homes. I mean, know that the spirit of suicide has its roots in the demonic. It's demonic. So the enemy comes, he tells you, Jesus, just go ahead, just throw yourself down. The enemy is whispering that to a lot of people and a lot of folks today. He's saying, throw yourself down. Doesn't really matter. You got no real reason to live. Just go ahead. Again, what is he after? He's after the purpose. How many know there's nothing new under the sun? This is what the devil does. But then he takes it a step further. Watch this. Then Satan tries to, tempt, tries to tempt Jesus with all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Everybody say, and their glory. And their glory. Now, that's important. So Satan now, he comes. Now, how many know, first of all, that kingdoms don't represent just, it's not just about a place, but kingdom has to do with an attitude, it's mindsets. Okay? There are many thought, process, thought processes in this world that are contrary to the things of the kingdom. Satan knows. This is, what, this is how Satan does it. So there's many ideologies that are against the kingdom of God, that don't represent the kingdom. So what does Satan do? Satan comes, he says, Jesus, here's what I'll do. He says, I'll give you all the kingdom. I'm going to show you all the kingdom and their glory. How many know that, you know, how many of you remember, I said this before, how many of you remember that commercial? that they showed, you know, every now and then you, you'll see, you know, advertisement and, com and commercials where, where people are smoking a cigarette and they look healthy. You ever see that? Yeah. Or when they're drinking liquor. You ever see that on, on you know, football, I hate to say it, NFL football, you know, they, they're, you know, they're drinking liquor and they're drinking beer and they're drink, you know, smoking cigarettes. And every time they, sh they show it, it always looks good, don't it? 
But they never showed you the person who got cirrhosis of the liver who lost his whole family because he drank too much. They, he never showed you the person that, that, that got cancer. Come on, somebody. He never shows you that. He shows you the glory. He makes it look good. So nowadays, you know, when we, our young people, watch this. So, so can I, let, we're going to talk for a little bit. Can we talk just a little bit? See, here's, here's what we have today. We have our, we have our young people today that are, that are being seduced by the enemy through entertainment, television, music. And I know how we parents are. Here's what we, you know what? If it don't have a curse word in it, if it ain't no nudity in it, it's all right. But how many know you better be more spiritually discerning than that? It goes much deeper than that. How many know it's about an ideology? So, here, so, so here's the thing. Here's what happened. Here's what the enemy does. See, the enemy wants to seduce us. He tell the kids that all these, you know, these, I don't want to name names because I'd be wrong to do that. But, you know, we got these certain music artists now that our kids, they, they love these music artists. They, they, they love certain, you know, entertainment and movie stars. And, and they're kind of glorified as the folks that we should look up to. And so all through the week, sometimes we parents, if we come on, let's, let's talk. Sometimes we let our kids listen to, you know, certain kinds of music. And, you know, it may not be R-rated, but it's preaching an ideology that is contrary to the kingdom. And how many know that when, you, when, you, when we allow our kids to feed themselves with that kind of information, then walk in here on Sunday, then we expect a miracle. Then we say, well, why don't my kids, why don't my kids really want to come to church? Why, 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 why aren't my kids really interested? Here's the question. What kind of filter do we have in place throughout the week? Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? And so we cannot, then we want, we want Brother Walter and, 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 and First Lady to work a miracle when all through the week we've been letting our kids be bombarded with, with certain uh, 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 mindsets that contrary, that runs contrary to the kingdom of God. So we're just sitting at home, listen, you know, when you see your kids bopping to the music, you ought to grab that headphone and say, what's that you listen to? What's that you're looking at? You know, I was thinking about this, other, I was, when I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking about this, and the song came on the radio. And, and I'm, not, I'm not one of those religious type people, one of those judgmental type people and all that, you know, I'm, you know I think I'm pretty balanced in my, in my thoughts, but you know, a song came on. I was listening. I liked them. When I listened to the second music, I liked the oldies. Uh, you know, the oldies, like the songs, the real songs, like in the 70s and 60s. Y'all young people don't know that, but you got to bear with me for a moment. But that was real music. And so a song came on, and I was listening to it. It had some good music going on. And then all of a sudden, it broke out with one that said, some of the old folks know what this one is. Me and Mrs. Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, we got a thing going on. How many of you ever heard that song? Come on, slip your hand up. You know what I'm talking about. And you know what I had to do? I had to shut it off. Now, I like the beat. I remember, but you know what? I shut it. Why? Because the song is talking about adultery. Right? Me and Mrs. Jones ain't got nothing going on. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> it ain't but me and Mrs. Bailey got something. Mrs. No, we don't do that. And so here's what I'm trying to say. We allow our kids to listen to, to, to ideologies, and then we're trying to figure out what is the problem. And he, hear me. Can we talk? Can we still talk? Can we still talk? Watch this. So then we go, watch this. Now, I want to, let me say this at the beginning. We're at some point, we're going to have youth church, and we're going to have children. We're going to do all of that. I promise. It's going to happen. But not for the reasons that you all think, that some of us think. You mean to tell me, watch this, that our kids are junior high and high school kids. Junior high and high school kids, what we're talking about, can go to school and they can study algebra, geometry, world history, and all of that. And then you mean to tell me that when they come to church, watch this, they can't listen to me for 40 minutes because they don't understand me. Now, you're talking about a guy that just barely made it through high school, barely made it through college, and you're here telling me, well, my kids can't sit in the sanctuary because they don't understand. No, what you're really saying is you want to entertain them because they have no interest. They have no interest in the things of God because their minds have been bombarded with worldly ideas. And so by the time they come here, they're like, oh, oh, we need children's church. 
How many know children? How many know? How many know? Listen, how many, whether it's you, church, whatever the case, it's not, listen to me, it's not about, I don't mind having fun, but how many know that we, you don't come to church to have fun? You come to church to be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? You come to church to learn about Christ. We don't come here to be entertained. Go to the movie theater. They got one down Fredericksburg. They got one in Woodbridge. They got one here in Stafford. You want to be entertained? Go home. But when you come into the house of God, we're coming into the house of God to be transformed. You can't tell me, parents, you cannot convince me that a 12 junior high and high school kid can't understand this dumb joker standing up here. I don't speak words that deep. But here's what the issue is. Here's what the issue is. See, Satan has developed. And this is how he, he, he tricked them. He, he, he gave us the, the, the glory. See, our young people, they, they are more attracted to all the things of the world. And we let some of that stuff come in, and we don't put the filters up. And then, so then, the word... Or, or the word that is sown gets choked, and it ain't bearing no fruit. And then we start, and then so we got some folks who run around. For, come on, I, I need to get off my soapbox. But let me say this part. I got to say that we got some folks that ride around from church to church looking for somewhere, somebody that would entertain their kids instead of saying, you know what, I want my children to be transformed. You know, here at Foundation Church. We're going to do it, but we're going to do it in a way that we want it to be understood, that we want our kids to learn about Christ. And parents, come on, come, can you give Jesus a praise clap if that's what you want? I mean, you come to church, you want your kids to be transformed. You want them to learn who Christ is. That's what it's all about. We're not here to entertain. And then listen, if we happen to have fun, how me know that I'm having fun right now preaching? I have fun talking about the things of God. I have fun reading my Bible. I have a lot of fun praying. I, I love this. This is what I do. Love it. But the reason it is because I feel I feel my mind with this, not just on Sunday, but I'm doing this seven days a week. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If, if young people, listen to me. Listen to me. If you ain't doing this on a regular basis, you're kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself. And parents, we need to be discerning. We need to ask ourselves the question, why are my kids wild? Why, what, what's wrong? Why, why my kids don't have any interest? Is it that they really don't understand or what is going on here? This is what the enemy does. He comes, he comes, watch this, and watch this, and he, he tempts us with all this stuff and the glory of the world. And all that glory of the world snuffs out our appetite for the things of God. How do you know it's a trick? And we just expose the enemy. The question is, parents, what are we going to do about it? Here, Jesus, Satan wanted something from Jesus. He says, he said, I'll give you all the things. He said, I'll give you everything, Jesus. I'll give it all to you. If you do one thing, fall down and what? And worship. You know what Satan is really saying? Can I translate that for you? No, he's really saying, he says, he's really saying, just give me your future. Let me have it. I'll let you do whatever makes you feel good. Just come. Just let me be your master. Just come and hang out with me. Just follow the crowd. Just come to church. Don't listen to the pastor. Just, just, here's what the devil said to the kids. Don't listen. Just, just come to church and make your parents think you really care about God. Just make them think that. How many know that if you're, parents, raise your hand if you already know where your kid's at. Come on. Come on. Every parent, kids, can I, can I say this one thing to you? And this is you Sunday, but you're getting a good word today, aren't you? Uh, this is you Sunday, but, but you need to understand something. That we parents know exactly where you are. That's why we're praying. That's why we made you get up this morning. And the parents said amen. amen. That's why we said, get up out of that bed in Jesus' name. Let's go. Let's go. Rise and shine. Let's roll. That's why we do it. Because we care. Because Satan was really saying, I want your future. I want your life. Fall down and worship me. Follow me. Follow the crowd. You already know that you're different. You're unique. and You've been created not to follow the crowd, but to follow Jesus. It's interesting, in all those cases, here's what Jesus said. 
And we're coming to an end. Here's what Jesus said. He said, watch this. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Parents, can I say something? And children alike, listen to me. Don't let anybody devalue this Bible. Jesus quoted it all the time. He quoted the word of God. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is why we want to read it all the time. This is why we digest it. This is why we can't have, how many know that some of us, we need to get it off the coffee table. We need to open it up. Not just here on Sunday, but we need to open it up during the week. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We need to dust that thing off, open this book up, and say, okay, God, teach me what's going on. Jesus said this. He said, it is written. When Satan was trying to tip him, he says, it is written. Again, he's going back to the Bible. Back to the Bible. He said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He said, away with you, Satan. Away with you. In other words, get out of my face. That's the ghetto version. Satan. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So in other words, Jesus understood his purpose. He understood his calling. And for every young person that came up here today who would participate in some way, when you understand your purpose and you understand your calling and you really dig in, you'll know when the enemy is trying to cause you to drift away. You'll know it. And you'll position yourself so that you can defeat every attack of the enemy. So this is the push. This is the push. And this is a great verse to end this sermon with. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 and 14, Apostle Paul talking here, he says, not that I have already attained or I am already perfected, but I press on. Or you can say, I push on. I press. I push. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Hmm. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended he said, I'm not there. I don't, I don't count myself to apprehend it, but to have, to have apprehended. But one thing I do, I forget the things which are behind, and I reach uh, to those things which are ahead. I press, I push toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, 